0: Welcome to the official House of Gucci interview special with me, film journalist Rihanna Dillon.
1: And me, fashion journalist Theo van den Bruchel.
0: This is your window into the elegantly styled world of House of Gucci, the superb new film from Ridley Scott.
1: Starring Lady Gaga, Adam Driver, Jared Leto, Jeremy Irons, Salma Hayek, Al Pacino and many, many more.
2: He sets a very high bar and... I don't like walking over low bars. She saw that this woman had a
3: big destiny and that she was going to be surrounded by glamour and possibilities.
4: He trusts the process and that a costume piece can do what a line can't do.
0: House of Gucci is a sensational story and also has a sensational cast. And we were very lucky to sit down and have a little chat with all of them. So
1: stay tuned. I still can't quite believe we've spoken with Lady Gaga.
0: I know, I've been trying to tell people that and it's just such a wild thing to be able to say. (laughs) And to one of my absolute favourite actors of all time, Adam Driver, as well as Ridley Scott, who I've just been a huge fan of for years.
1: Likewise. So for anyone who doesn't know, House of Gucci is inspired by the shocking true story of the family empire behind the Italian fashion house, Gucci.
0: And it spans three decades of love, betrayal, decadence, revenge and ultimately murder.
1: Lady Gaga plays the Milanese socialite Patrizia Reggiani, who hit the big time when she married into this incredible wealth and incredible family.
0: They had it all. She wanted more.
1: As you'd expect, it looks amazing. It's very fashion, uh, so so I'm right in. Uh, It's set in this extremely glamorous world, but it's also got this kind of dark side. There's corruption, and as Rihanna said, there's murder.
0: And the members of the Gucci family are played by Adam Driver, Jared Leto, Jeremy Irons, Al Pacino, with a little help from Camille Cotin, and the always fabulous Salma Hayek.
1: So... To repeat, this is an event of a film. It's got crime, it's got glamour, and it's got Gaga. He's always kind of play-acting. He's not at ease
4: until he gets distanced from being a Gucci.
5: She's such a star. She runs the show.
2: I feel super relaxed, you know. This movie's my heart and soul. So,
6: a, a one-of-a-kind. It's chic.
0: So we both spoke to Lady Gaga and it was just a really exciting thing to have somebody who is so fabulous and so well known to really kind of sit down, take the time. Mm. She was very good at just yeah. engaging and gave these really wonderful, eloquent deep answers which I really appreciated totally
1: she was so thoughtful and she you know as you'd expect with Gaga she turned up yes you know she gets she understood the, assignment. the assignment
0: totally <laughs>
1: she lived up to every single expectation I had and I love that she gave a shout out to Giannina Scott the producer of the film we should probably say at this point that we're going to go into quite a lot of detail about the film in the podcast so if you want to watch it knowing nothing go and see it at the cinema first and then come back to us but should we stop teasing and let people have a listen let's do it here she is the one and only Lady Gaga for the official House of Gucci podcast.
0: Lady Gaga, so lovely to speak to you. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Yes, thank
1: you so much.
0: Thank you. I'm so honoured to be here. I feel such
2: gratitude. This is an amazing experience and I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me about our film.
0: So tell us about your very first thoughts on taking on the role of Patrizia Gucci and why were you so drawn to her? Actually, my very
2: initial thoughts about this role uh, were complicated. I uh, I started reading the script and uh, before I read the script, I heard it was about uh, you know the black widow, the, the woman that had Maurizio Gucci killed And I thought to myself, oh, you know, maybe this is another movie about a sexy murderess and uh, she's, you know, chaotic and risky and hot. And I thought that's not interesting. And then I read the script and then I met with Ridley Scott. And first of all, meeting with the legendary Ridley Scott and his wife, Giannina Scott, the producer on this film, that in and of itself was a beautiful experience. But I said to Ridley, I said, you know, I, I read the script I'm wondering if she ever loved him at all. And he goes, oh yes, he, yes, she did. They were deeply in love. And I took that with me and I, I went home and I thought, I, I, I knew I wanted to make this movie because of the passion that, him and Giannina had, and then now my newfound fascination with a character that I knew I could bleed humanity in from. And uh, so I then began a journey of being a journalist and being a detective and uh, embarking on an investigation, meaning that uh, I felt strongly that the way she was portrayed in the media was not indicative of what this movie was supposed to be. But rather, how did a young woman... I mean, we we know very little about Patrizia Gucci when she was younger. How did this young woman fall in love and fall apart? To me, that was fascinating. I thought to myself, what if I could transform the narrative even into something that the real Patrizia Gucci would not want you to see? And I think that's because she's... If you've seen her in interviews, she's very much trying to control the narrative of who she is. And I think that's because she's hiding the pain because I think she thinks that's weak. But I think that that's what makes us strong.
0: You mentioned working with Ridley Scott and how much of a pull that must have been. I mean, he is one of the most celebrated directors of all time. What is his style on set? How is he different from other directors that you've worked with?
2: I mean, Ridley's different from anyone that I've ever worked with. And he has a very specific way of working. Uh, he never shoots with less than four cameras at once. He's got cameras surrounding you. So the, like basically every actor is covered during the scene. So uh, at any given moment, what will end up in the edit will most likely be w- what happened in that moment. It's not spliced separately. Uh, meaning if people are listening and don't know about movie making or film making or television, uh, a lot of times the camera might be on one of the actors and you'll do the scene several times and then the the other actor will be their turn and the cameras turn around and they get the performance of the other actor and then edit it together. Ridley doesn't believe in that. He wants to get the scene almost like a play, Mm -hmm. right? So you're experiencing it the way you would experience theater. So that's one thing that makes Ridley different. Uh, and and this, this creates a lot of room for magic and spontaneity on set because we know everything's happening at once and it's empowering. And also I have to say, I felt very empowered by him as a woman on set. After about three weeks of working together, he started to come up to me before we would, you know, all meet for rehearsal. And he'd say things like, so what's the scene about dude? <laughs> and and yeah that's the way he is and but he, it wasn't because he didn't know what the scene was about it was because he was interested to understand what i thought the scene was about and what I found intriguing about the scene, what I felt it meant to this story, what I thought, thought it would do in terms of propelling of us all forward. Uh, what was my intuition? What was my perspective? Uh, Ridley believes that art is intuition. And uh, for him to empower me that way on a set of mostly men all the time uh, was hugely important. And uh, he really took care of me. He and and you know, I, I worked really hard and prepared for him because he deserves that. He's a, he sets a very high bar, and I don't like walking over low bars. So,
1: <laughs> you say in the film that Gucci is synonymous with wealth and power. Um, and I'm kind of intrigued to know what your relationship with the brand has been over the years. Obviously, I'm sure you have plenty of it in your wardrobe now, and fashion is a big part of who you are. Did it have that magical pull over you? as a kind of younger person what what was your relationship with it before the film
2: you know actually i i i don't i i don't and haven't had a strong relationship with gucci uh for my whole career uh i like to think of myself in a lot of ways as like switzerland and fashion there are clearly some designers that i am more drawn to than others uh but my relationship with Gucci mostly has grown through this film, and I've I've grown to admire uh, what Guccio Gucci built uh, in you know the early 1900s, uh, because he essentially was uh, you know a leather maker, and there were they they had their sacred cows that they and they were a family business so i found this t- to have like a very handmade beautiful quality something that reminded me of my italian grandfather something that reminded me of my ancestors and so the heart and soul of gucci is something that's very like salt of the earth you know mm. uh but what it becomes in the film something that you will see is is is, is it, it it's italian crime it is italian uh feuding and when i say crime i what i mean is uh You know, one of the relationships that I had with Gucci growing up, uh, and I'm sure this will be, you know, a risky thing to say, but I'm going to say it, it's in the film anyway, is when I would go to Chinatown in New York City, they had these counterfeit Gucci bags, uh, and they were really, really good, you know, replicas, and everybody loved buying Gucci bags in Chinatown because they looked like real bags, and you discover in the movie that they were real bags. And uh, Gucci knew about it and they were profiting off of it. So uh, th- this is a major turning point in the film as well, uh, because Patrizia brings it to the attention of um, you know, Uncle Aldo, Al Pacino's character, and she brings it to Maurizio's attention. And she realizes that you know everybody knows about this but her. And he says to her, this is not a girl's game. And then, so this illusion of power that she thinks she has in the family gets totally shattered in an instant in a way that I think a lot of women can relate to where we all can feel powerful in our own right. And then the second a man says no to us, you know, the house of cards falls all around us. Uh, So uh, what I would say is, is my relationship with Gucci is much more a part of my soul now. I'm not talking about the brand or the fashion house as it is today, but the idea of Gucci and the Gucci family, this, this feels like one of the, the greatest times in my artistic life. And I think that that's because it was the greatest time in Patricia's life. So as an actress, I'm sort of having symptomatic admiration for for the brand. uh, And there's no more Gucci's at uh, at Gucci anymore.
1: You just touched a little bit on your heritage and your ancestry. As a child of Italian parents, were there any kind of particular personal experience is which helped kind of inform your performance as Patrizia?
2: You know, if I could speak openly, you know, I'm Italian American. So that's a very different thing. My father's from Jersey, my mother's from West Virginia, my family's all Italian. We grew up in a culture of plenty. There was food on the table all the time, Uh, but it was not fashionable to teach your kids how to speak Italian because everybody was trying to assimilate. What I would say I brought with me was the memory of my, you know, grandfather being a shoemaker and uh, the, the, the way that my father talks about his father and talks about his family in Italy and wells up with tears, just just even thinking about it because our family worked hard so that we could have a better life. And I think what people don't always talk about in terms of um, in terms of assimilation is this idea that there there was a real like like true breed ethnicity that came before me that was not American. And it was so important to me playing this role that I understood that being Italian-American is not the same as being Italian and to really nail the ethnicity of Patrizia, which meant also that I had to acknowledge her class and where she sat in society, which, means that she was never as shiny as the Gucci's no matter even after she married Maurizio she never looks in the film as prestigious or privileged or wealthy there's always something slightly off and she's she's actually embarrassing uh in a lot of the beginning of the film there's something about her that just feels weird and it it, even her like intense sexual energy is is slightly off-putting and it's de- it's designed to be, because uh, for me, it was about truly being in the culture. And I think that in being in that culture, it-, it helped me to find that part of her that was trying to survive, that was trying to matter. And I think that what I mean by uh, uncomfortable uh, with Patricia or embarrassing was that she was always looking for an entry point for herself and of, of how, how am I going to get ahead? Where's the next opportunity? And also there's nothing wrong with that. Meaning I wish to like proclaim here that, that that's not being a gold digger. That's the way people survive. It's the way women survive. It's the way women have survived for thousands of years. And I chose to play her this way because this was the this was the human that I believed her to be. Because when I see her talk and lie now, I still see behind her eyes, she's looking for that entry point. So that was such a deep part of my character that, that was, that was, that was her bottom. That's what was always there. How do I matter? And and specifically I created a backstory for myself learning about her, her, her mother, Silvana used to uh, tell her to, to date all the rich men in uh, in Italy and, and Patrizia didn't want to. And so imagine being 12 years old and having your mother, telling you to you know, marry rich i mean the, the, to me that's that's like it's 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 emotionally abusive to a child to do that to sexualize your child at that age so i felt strongly that this woman's this woman's energy was created by a life of survival and what does that look like against meaning adjacent to power and privilege And I think why this murder happens is because there's that blind spot in between Patricia and the family. So while they're all fighting about business and money and power and who's going to keep what, they're totally blind to her because they think she's beneath them. They dispose of her, but she's who they should be paying attention to because she's plotting a murder.
0: Mm. I just want to ask about Patrizia and Maurizio. Their relationship is key to the entire film, from their early romance to their marriage to their demise. What was it like to work with Adam Driver, who plays Maurizio, on that relationship?
2: I love working with Adam. I adore him as a human being. He's just a really intelligent, smart, also goofy, funny guy uh, I I I became friends with him. I I think he's just a wonderful person, and he's a beautiful actor. And I think having that shared respect and camaraderie is so important. And also. Uh, he he opened himself up to me. So we were able to uh, explore chemistry on set together. And with the way the cameras were set up, there was so much room for us to be spontaneous and to build their love. I mean, one of my favorite scenes in the the whole film uh, between them is, uh, it, yes, I love the beginning, but when they're in the the boat at Lake Como together, And he falls back into the boat. And, like, there's this this real strong physical acting component between the two of us. There's something so sweet about it. It's so charming. And he allowed Maurizio to be a real person that was alive and that was nerdy. And it filled in all the gaps for why they fell in love. And I felt that, you know, what was so amazing about this was that you saw a love that made sense that was not purely transactional. And I think the way that, like I said before, the way that she was portrayed in the media, the way this whole thing was portrayed in the media, I felt like there was a real uh, gunning for uh, everybody to think that there was this transactional gold digging relationship, but what was really there were two people that fell in love and then a woman that tried to infiltrate Italian business, which in and of itself is intimidating, And when they disposed of her, it was a disaster for everybody.
0: Lady Gaga, thank you so much for talking talking to us. What a pleasure. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. So obviously, apart from looking phenomenal, as she always does, actually, it was lovely to hear about Lady Gaga's experience filming with Ridley Scott, because he has got such a specific way of working. And I loved hearing about how that impacts an actor's performance and what that means for them.
1: Totally. And it showed how seriously she was taking the process of acting, in addition to all the glamour you'd expect from... Lady Gaga. She's a
0: true perfectionist. true
1: perfectionist. I love also what she said about Patrizia not being a gold digger Mm -hmm. and more of a woman who just did what she had to do. To survive, yeah. yeah, And there's a truth in that, I think.
0: Actually, so many people did perceive her that way, including the character played by a gentleman that I was lucky enough to have a little chat with, Mr. Jeremy Irons.
1: Yeah, I was quite jealous of that one. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Yes, he plays Adam Driver's father, Rodolfo Gucci, who was very worried about his son being spirited away by this glamorous woman who might have just been after his money.
0: It's a lovely performance from an acting great and it was such a pleasure to talk to him.
1: And everyone else really, so do stay tuned because after Jeremy we have Salma Hayek, Adam Driver, Camille Cottin, Jared Leto, costume designer Janti Yates and of course, director Ridley Scott.
0: But first, the one and only Jeremy Irons. Hi Jeremy, so lovely to speak to you.
7: Hello, Rihanna. And I
0: have to say, this is such a thrill. My first ever interview was with your son, Max. So this is a really special moment. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Um, Right, let's get stuck in. So Rodolfo Gucci is an intriguing, elegant role. You are kind of very much the standard bearer for the traditional Tuscan fine goods iteration of the Gucci story, the patriarch of the family. Why was this project so attractive to you?
7: We talked about doing this about ten years ago originally janina um ridley's wife has been trying to get the film off the ground for around 20 years and one iteration had me uh well, 10 years ago had me playing i think uh aldo oh. and um so i i've been aware of this story i didn't actually read the book upon which the film is based until about two years ago when ridley asked me to uh to be part of the film that he'd got up and running. And it was, you know, I I didn't know at that point who the, I knew Lady Gaga would be playing Patrizia. I thought it was a great story. He'll make something of it, a great cast. You know, what, what more can you ask for as an actor?
0: I would love to hear more about you working with Ridley Scott. Why is he one of our great directors?
7: It's very difficult to say, really. Ridley has been doing it for so long. Um the, uh, because he's a painter, you know he he has a wonderful eye for what is a good shot. He knows human nature so that he can he can make a set which is really comfortable and free and easy. and he shoots very quickly because he shoots with multiple cameras. So you don't waste all your energy and your vivace on uh, repeating and repeating and repeating. He makes it very easy to do good work, and that's an immeasurable talent. He's also, since I worked with him on Kingdom of Heaven, mellowed a little bit, so he's sort of... Because he's quite a bristly man, but that has mellowed as he's got older, which is very nice.
0: I'm yet to speak to Ridley, so um, it's good to know that he's mellowed a little bit. Um, were people improvising on set as well, or is it kind of very much about bringing the script to the screen unchanged?
7: We tend to improvise. I mean, Al and I tend to improvise. Uh, all of us really you 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 know what the thrust of the scene is and you you try to bring it to life and often i mean jared for instance uh, you know improvised throws lots of ideas in more than most what you're trying to do is to create the atmosphere that is in the scene and to get these story points across and give it a reality and a, an excitement
0: I mean, you're right, that excitement is so there because of the true crime strand, I suppose. And there's that blend with glamour as well. And Rodolfo just encompasses all of that. And he's so much more sophisticated than Aldo, his brother, who is maybe a bit seedier. So how much fun did you have exploring that contrast with Al Pacino?
7: Well, it was great when I, when I came to the set and I saw how he was going to play it. You know, I thought that's a great contrast. I mean, the man who... The man who uh, Rodolfo, a very conventional conservative, uh, withdrawn now, uh, still looking after the Italian half of the firm while Aldo has gone to New York, where he's progressive and trying to push it forward and got great ideas. And uh, I, I I thought it was a, an interesting balance, um, actually, between the two of them. I don't know whether it was as much as that in life, who knows? But it it works well for the film, I think.
0: It really does. When you say that, you know, you you turn up on set, you you don't yet know how someone like Al Pacino is going to play this character. So how do you figure that out between you two? What if it doesn't work? How do you figure it out?
7: Well, it sort of normally does because filming and acting is always about compromise. You know, you're working with someone. It's like it's like saying um, you walk onto the onto the court at Wimbledon and you've never played the play you're going to play but you just you hope that you have the technique and the reach and the speed to keep up and to uh, maybe outwit uh, but you don't know what's going to happen as indeed when you get up in the morning you may think you know what's going to happen today but you have no idea playing a scene is no different to that really.
0: and in some ways the film is kind of about the relatable tensions that all families have right albeit kind of taking it to extremes in this case yeah
7: because well, it's italian you know and Big Ah.
0: and uh, Rodolfo Gucci himself was obviously an actor and a very successful one. And no,
7: he wasn't, he was quite successful, he wasn't very good.
0: (laughs) Did you go back and watch all of his movies?
7: I didn't watch all of them, but I watched quite a bit of it (laughs) once enough. Yeah, I thought, oh, yeah, he was right, he recognized it. I mean, he, his wife, who he married, uh, German actress, and she was really quite talented. Um, and I think in comparison, he realised that he'd be much better just to look after Gucci and look after his wife and let her do the acting.
0: Was there any appeal in the fact that you are bringing to life a star of the 1930s, but in his later years?
7: Strange enough, I I did see a photograph of him as a young man, and he looked incredibly like my son. Really? which is Which is interesting,
0: yeah. So very, very handsome then.
7: He was, yeah, he was a good-looking good dude.
0: Are there any reference points in your own mind, whether from film or theatre or literature or art, or is your focus just purely on building what's on the page in front of you?
7: Really what's on the page in front of me. I mean, of course, Italian films of that sort of period, uh, the look, the feel, you know, that you're aware of that. This is an epic story in the way that many... Shakespearean plays are epic and many Greek tragedies are epic. And Ridley, who's made a lot of epics, um, I think gives the story that sort of largeness and allows the performances to be quite large. The music uh, is a big part of it, often very amusingly sort of contrary to the scene that's happening you know, the wedding, the lovemaking, whatever, whatever music he chooses, I think really helps to give the story wit. And uh, because, yes, it's a tragedy, but it was extraordinary watching it and hearing the audience laughing. You know, they got all the innuendos, the satire. It has a lot of bumps, the movie.
0: It absolutely does. I think people are going in expecting the glamour and the crime side and not expecting the humour. So that is such a pleasant surprise when you're in the audience. Tell me about, you know, when you, you're you not in um, the kind of like every scene, for example, like Lady Gaga is. So taking a step back and watching the film, you know, months after you've completed it, how was that for you? Did it come together in the way that you were expecting?
7: I didn't know what to expect, but I was delighted to, to find the energy in the film and the humour and the desumptuousness sumptuousness of it. I could feel its power. I thought this is great after lockdown to get, have this sort of movie for an audience to watch, you know.
0: Absolutely. Can you tell me about the dynamic with working opposite Lady Gaga? I mean, everyone is, you know, so excited to see her performance as well.
7: Well, she was so nervous with the first scene we had together. But actually that was also partly because she's quite a method actress, I think. That was partly the way the character was in the scene, very nervous meeting the father. And when we had a later scene uh, where she's much tougher, uh, she was tougher and not nervous. So I, I, I suspect she does what a lot of us do, which is to take the... The position of the character into the moment surrounding you doing the scene. But uh, a consummate professional and uh, absolutely delightful as a person.
0: Jeremy Irons, also delightful as a person. Thank you so much for talking to us.
1: What a man and what a voice.
0: I know, I could listen to him all day. But while I was off chatting to Jeremy, you were the lucky guy that got to speak to the incredible Salma Hayek about her role as the clairvoyant who becomes best buds with Patrizia Gucci. What did you talk about?
1: Well, naturally, among other things, we spoke about taking a mud bath with Lady Gaga. As you do. As you do in the world of House of Gucci. Salma, it is so lovely to meet you. Such an honour. I really, really thoroughly enjoyed the film. You play Pina, the clairvoyant who is Patrizia's connection to the underworld. It's a pivotal role in the movie. What was it that attracted you to it in the first instance?
3: Well, the first thing is that Ridley Scott, you know, I would do anything with him. Janina is his wife. and the producer of the film. And she's been trying to get this film done for 20 years And she's a brilliant producer and she really believed in it and she never settled for a different combination or a script that was not ready. Even if I didn't know them, I would work with Ridley Scott at any chance. And then I really liked the role. I liked the relationship. I liked her relationship with Patricia a lot. And it's an unusual relationship because a lot of people might think that you go to a psychic and then you step away you have a reading on the phone but in the old days there was sometimes a codependency with these people i mean you you there's in history you know some people cannot operate without somebody telling them what they're supposed to do according to the spirits or the stars or whatever and so patricia she gets lonelier she gets deeper into this relationship. And I think that Pina at the beginning, she saw that this woman had a big destiny and that she was gonna be surrounded by glamor and possibilities. And she saw a business opportunity. But I do believe that in that process, they became really friends and really cared for each other. And she probably became more codependent to Patricia than Patricia was to her to the point that she ended up doing something that she was going to regret for the rest of her life. That's how much she cared for her. So I think it's an interesting relationship that really attracted me about the film.
1: I mean, you shot all of your scenes, I think, I'm not mistaken, with Lady Gaga, and you seemed to have a really incredible chemistry on screen. Uh, Was that the same on the set?
3: Oh, I really was excited to come to work every day and um, be guided by Ridley Scott and just be present and ready to support this amazing performance of this artist that is such an original. So, her choices for every line, every word, every scene, every take were always interesting and never the same. So, when you're playing, you know, navigating those waters and adjusting that was delicious. I love it. I mean, maybe some actors are not, it's not their cup of tea. But in my case, I mean, I mean, I was in heaven.
1: I was in heaven, I really enjoyed working with them. There's quite a lot of comedy in your scenes together, particularly the, the kind of mud bath scene. I mean, is it quite tempting to kind of push it almost too far? Uh, and, and was that a fun uh, scene to film?
3: Number one, this was an important scene for Patricia and, and for Lady Gaga. It's, a, it's an important moment. And I'm ashamed because in that moment that it's so important, I did not know how to do the mud bath because I didn't know that you need to know. I thought you just like getting it, sink down, and that's it. Turns out the mud pushes you up. Now, she knew how to do it because she hadn't done it before. I've never done it before. And frankly, I was naked. I didn't want to be naked on the surface of the thing. So some of the takes, I'm desperate, like pedaling underneath my butt to try to get out the 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 mud out of my way so I can go to the ground. But the more I did it, the the, the less it happened. I am then the mud is moving me around because I am moving the thing and I, I'm struggling and doing my lines. And he would not caught really. He's probably I haven't. Mean, So much fun laughing behind the the monitor. (laughs) Me struggling in the mud. And she stayed in character, trying not to get distracted. She was like staring at a candle so that she wouldn't lose it because everybody else was laughing at me. And we did it again. And I struggled again. I was so mortified and uncomfortable. I didn't know that the biggest challenge in this movie for me was going to be that mud bath. But of course, she was always in character. So... I guess that's how Pina and Patricia would have been. Were you you guys friends before filming? Kind of, because we started talking on the phone to talk about the characters and we kind of got into the characters as we were on the phone. So that friendship happened easily. She was way ahead of me because she like, her research was really, really serious. I mean, she had done so much on my character too and on her character, so she kind of did the homework for me. I did some research already before but I mean, she knew so much about the two of them and she was in perfect accent or months before we started shooting. But yeah, I, I think that relationship, working relationship started, it immediately went into a friendship.
1: I love that it started on the phone in the same way that um, Pina's and Patricia started.
3: It's so true. It's oh, fantastic. my God, yeah.
1: I mean, in terms of, um, I guess we should talk a bit about how you prepared um, for the role of Pina. Did you have to kind of do anything specific?
3: Yeah, I had to, des- I did learn a little bit how to do the cards. Okay. I forgot already, but I did take a class and, and I did a little bit of how, try to understand the cards from the period from Napoli's because she... Um, Pina was a Napolitana, so I went to try to get some instruction from what did they use to see the future and stuff. And the other thing I did, I gained a lot of weight because really didn't want me to look good in the part. And so they did the hair and stuff. They put some makeup under my eye. But he saw me without makeup on so and he said, still too pretty. So I said, oh, I know how to care, take care of this. I started eating, 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 eating. It was so much fun. I loved it. I loved (laughs) pasta. I mean, it was incredible. And then, of course, after the movie was over, I really suffer getting it off. I'm still struggling with it because after 50, it's a whole different story. And I was thinking, I should have just done like Jared. I should have just like done some prosthetics,
1: I'm quite interested to know what you feel about the kind of idea of psychics and clairvoyance is that something that you've engaged with in the past would you do it now I mean I guess it didn't end that well for either of them um, engaging in that world.
3: I do think that within that realm there are some amazing people and I have had some in the past that were really impressive but I'm not codependent it's not part of my everyday life. I am spiritual but I'm not I I don't call someone to make all my decisions now. Horoscopes? You know, I'm fascinated by it but I I don't keep up and I don't know that they're accurate. I I still don't understand how so many people that are born the same day can have the same thing happening at the same time. But it does fascinate me that the stars must I we are connected to space and it must affect us in some way. The concept, the science of it, I'm fascinated by. I don't, I don't read my horoscope every day, but there must be something. My my daughter is really into it lately, so that's brought me back to that idea. Uh, I think again, it has to be somebody really good that understands the science of it more than something you would read in a magazine or something.
1: As a child of the 90s, that iconic Gucci revamp that was headed up famously by Tom Ford was a massive moment for me personally. You know, you've got that thong with the GG and it's all very, very sexed up. Was it exciting for you to see that major part of modern history play
3: out? Yes. And also because in the Tom Ford era, I was able to afford Gucci out of, you know, out of my own hard work. And I I used to buy it. I used to go to the store and buy my sexy gucci stuff (laughs) and so i was part of that era it's very cool i think it's it's very cool that part there's an aspect of this story that is incredibly tragic incredibly sad
1: sam hayek thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me (laughs)
0: Teo, I'm so jealous. That was like a lovely, warm, conversational mud bath that I just relaxed right into.
1: Wow, thank you, (laughs) I think. Is that good? Yes, that's
0: good. And gazing into my own crystal ball, I can see that we've got a very special guest coming up next. This is his second time making a movie with Ridley Scott. He plays Jeremy Irons' son, Al Pacino's nephew, Jared Leto's cousin, and Lady Gaga's husband, but is undeniably his own man and the heart of the film. It's Maurizio Gucci himself, Adam Driver. Hi, Adam. It's so lovely to speak to you. Thank you for doing Hi, Hi, Nice to talk to you. So when you were reading the script for the first time, could you see the film developing? Was it immediately very vivid? Or did you speak more with Ridley to understand his vision for House of Gucci?
4: I just had this experience working with him and and I just loved working with him. So I was ex- excited to do something again. And then, and then uh, we finished Last Duel and then we had been kind of talking the entire time and Uh, trying to figure out what the journey was for Maurizio and you know reading the book and kind of consuming what I could and then we had two weeks of rehearsal before we started and that kind of continued as we uh as we shot because there's so much information you know that you know it's kind of it's hard to cherry pick what is the right to I mean because it was very vast you know in reality Mm. Maurizio had a spiritual advisor as well and then there was at one point in the story people were you know casting spells on each other like uh you know wizards in Harry Potter so <laughs> uh that, that that's kind of a lot then there was a there was an earlier scene with pina and maurizio on the on a boat because he bought this massive boat that he re- restored that was part of it so it was there was all these great details that uh, some were let go some were brought back it was a lot of shaping it you know even as we were shooting but the overall journey of him we we was we were constantly kind of talking about but that two weeks of rehearsal before we started was really helpful
1: the film is based on the book house of gucci by sergey fordon was it a useful research tool for you?
4: Yeah, because it wasn't clear to me in the initial read of it. Again, there was so much information that we wanted to make sure that we were economical without getting a little, you know, o- over explaining, which Ridley's really good about. He is very economical and loves loves uh, the mechanics of filmmaking and hates wasting time. Mm. And that, that expands to every department and uh, how he shoots even. And especially with the script, his direction is very succinct. He doesn't over explain anything. He kind of has, uh, he talks all the time on set of like, you know, I've done this in the past where I talk a lot and then it ruins it. So he, he tries to promote spontaneity and he loves economy. Like, you know, he, he trusts the process and that uh, a costume piece can do what a line can't do uh, sometimes. So he, he likes to get it to, you know, bare minimum and then let's move on. So for me, reading the book and knowing, a little about where, because it's very heavy in the the book about, uh, it's very detailed about Maurizio's, uh, Maurizio's journey. So it was good to kind of consume what I could.
0: You give such a wonderfully physical performance as well. You're cycling, you're washing trucks, you're playing football, you're skiing. How did those physical embellishments help you get into Maurizio's mindset?
4: Uh, well, the costume was really also helpful in shaping his physicality too. Again, wh- what was clear about the book and, and I think what was clear, I think, in our conversations and talking about Maurizio is how he goes from being meek and collegiate and uh, someone who, you know, is uh, scared of his father. uh, So he's hesitant physically. He's not quite embodied. He's not quite comfortable in his skin. So we talked about that a lot, particularly with uh, the scenes with, uh, with Jeremy, with his father, Rodolfo. And then, as the costumes became more control, he gets a little straighter. We always talked about kind of like a Cary Grant, you know, awkward elegance, you know, as, like even in the the first date scenes, you know, there's a he's very fluid, you know, uh, he, someone who is. Um, can be very physical but it but is more is more graceful and the costumes do a lot to your body i think when you wear them and then by the end of the movie the suits get a little less tailored a little bit more relaxed mm-hmm. you know so the ease in doing everything even getting on the bike you know that he that he gets on goes that he moves from a lamborghini to a bike mm-hmm. is supposed to be telling of his uh, journey
1: i wanted to ask a little bit more about the clothes actually adam because it is you know your character particularly although they're kind of a little bit more understated than many of the others they do seem to have this journey that you talk about did you work um very closely with janti to kind of select which looks you would wear and how they would shape your performance in turn
4: totally in the two weeks starting before rehearsal and all these conversations i was talking about it was constant uh Constant talk about where is Maurizio going? Where does he start and where does he going? Ridley really was obsessed with this idea of it being like a play in three acts. So the first act, Maurizio is uh, not quite his own. He's wearing a lot of tans. He's wearing a lot of things that are a little bit too big. And then uh, when he becomes the boss, his hair gets shorter, his back gets a little straighter. He has uh, false confidence, but he's always kind of play acting. He, he, it's not his world, and he doesn't. He's not at ease until he gets distance from being a Gucci. But uh, Janti is again. She works with. She's worked with Ridley, I think, since Gladiator, and has done every movie with him since. And so she did the last duel. And he has everybody in uh, heads of departments who he's worked with forever, and he trusts them. And she's incredibly detailed.
0: Mm. The real, the real heart of the film is Maurizio's relationship with Patrizia, who is played by Lady Gaga. So, I mean, we've heard so much about the way that she loves to work. What is she like to play off as an actor for you?
4: Uh, easy. You know, because they people are prepared and they work hard and are available. So it makes it all easy.
0: Mm-hmm. Were there any particular scenes that you were really excited about sinking your teeth into that you were anticipating before filming?
4: I try not to anticipate scenes. I've learned uh, that that can be a detriment because you're always expecting it to be a certain thing. And then uh, it's never the thing that you expect it's going to be. You know, you always are anticipating, even if it's like uh, I find sometimes the most innocuous scenes turn out to be very dramatic in shooting them, you know. So no, no, nothing in particular, nothing in particular that I was really excited uh, or not, not, not really excited about, you know, for the sake of this podcast, I was excited about shooting every single scene.
1: <laughs> you've slightly covered this tangentially through what you just said, but I mean, you've worked with Ridley Scott twice now in quick succession. What was kind of the main appeal about working with him again for this? Well, because I, I do
4: love his movies, but he, he has such a different way of working than me, you know, that, that. I've worked with directors before who work fast, you know, who like to one or two takes when it seems really complicated. They love uh the economy and he shares that he shares that with them. But the multi-camera thing I think is really unique and and his process is just so different and out of my comfort level. I, I tend to overthink it and uh want to kind of chase perfection, it's almost to a point that sometimes and now it's start it's starting to waste people's time and begin a little indulgent. So it's nice to have uh uh concrete like that, someone who's working opposite. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, people just, uh, uh, I just finished a, a, a fifth time working with Noah Bombbeck and, and we'll do scenes that are, you know, 20 takes. You know, that that's that's different too, but that's more of my comfort zone. I, working fast and impulsively is, uh, I just find unique. And with filmmaking, even though it's permanent, my favorite part is the process. So when people have a set process, I always find it exciting to, to watch. And, and, he, and he's just easy. He doesn't sweat the small on a film set. You know, he doesn't get bogged down and like, you know, oh, someone has a different idea. You know, do I assert my authority here? He just, he rolls with it. He's prepared. He trusts his actors. It's, it's easy. He's hilarious uh it's it's really a great set to work on because you work fast morale is high in the crew he's been working with the same people so there's a shorthand you know it's uh it's it's great he and he gives himself a lot of limits and so it's a it's, it's a great environment to be in really
1: your scenes with jeremy irons feel particularly lived in with your character wanting to revolt against but also i guess seek approval from his father how was it working with jeremy on those scenes
4: it's hard to make a uh, like, succinct answer. I, lo- I love his acting and I've always uh, I admired him and uh, I was really excited to work with him. And then when you get with uh, people like that, that's, again, it's just easy. There's no, there's not not a lot of ego. There's no ego being thrown around. No one's bringing on their resume to a set like that. He's just smart about script. We talked about it, those scenes a lot. And then we just kind of went in there and did it. But it was a lot of, uh, you, you know, we have like 20 minutes while we're setting up. Do you want to talk about the next thing? You know, it was a lot of like dialogue and and shaping the script and ch- tweaking lines and, you know, talking about with Ridley a little bit, and, well, uh, presenting it to Ridley and getting all on the same page. So it, it just feels like a conversation that continues and then the cameras roll and you're continuing the conversation and then, uh, and, and he's just easy. Like he's, he's easy. He doesn't, uh, again, he doesn't, get to, he doesn't second guess himself. So I, it was such a pleasure.
1: Adam, we have time for one more question. And I'm just very intrigued to know, which of the suits that you wore throughout the film did you feel most comfortable in? And did you most enjoy wearing?
4: The one that stands out to me, not as a comfort level, but when I was in Studio 54 and had to wear an ascot. That for me, you know, I in life always try to work an ascot into whatever I'm wearing. Uh, <laughs> I'm never successful with a black t-shirt. But he 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 in that scene is very um uncomfortable. So there wasn't anything particular that that stood out to me. They're all kind of great. They're all kind of great and different from me. And I like what they kind of make you do physically. And and it was nice to do a, like getting on Vespas and you know, riding bikes and cobblestones and dress shoes and So there's nothing in particular that stands out to me. They were all unique.
0: Adam, thank you so much for talking to us. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. Same. same.
1: Thanks a lot. I just love talking to him. Such a lovely energy. And you can tell he's so passionate about what he's doing.
0: Yeah. And I loved hearing Adam talking about working with Ridley Scott. So insightful.
1: And speaking of which, we've got him coming up on the podcast later too.
0: But for now, it's time to turn our attention to one of the extended members of the Gucci family, Camille Cotin, who plays Paola Frankie, a.k.a. Lady Gaga's rival. There is an incredibly electric scene at the ski resort with Lady Gaga, where Patricia tells you, in no uncertain terms, to back off her husband, essentially. <laughs> yeah. So was that a moment that you were looking forward to filming or was it kind of nerve-wracking? And I'd be terrified if Lady Gaga was telling me to go to hell, whether it was acting or not, you know? <laughs>
8: <laughs> well, yes. It's interesting because you... For me, it was clear that I didn't... I mean, Paula didn't steal my ratio. But it was interesting to feel as woman-to-woman... Even though the way she's threatening and she's she's there's violence in the way she speaks to Paola, but at the same time there's a lot of despair. And as a woman to woman, you feel that too. So there's there's a mix of getting that violence, but also getting the yeah the 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 sadness and 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 vulnerability of the woman talking to you. So it, it was interesting to feel both things at the same time and see how the character react.
0: I've kind of got an impression of how Ridley Scott likes to work on his set, but how was it opposite Lady Gaga? Who, you know, there always kind of talks about her methods and the, the way that she likes to do scenes. So how do you find bouncing off her in those scenes?
8: It was uh, the ski scene was the second day. Oh, so wow. it's, yes, it's like really embracing the character. And the first days are very... For me, as my personal experience, it's it's always very intense. Again, there's a strong vulnerability, like embracing the character. But it's the first days of wearing the costumes and being with the camera and being with your fellow actors. You know, we just met uh, the day before, so it was like we had to build it. So there was a lot of electricity uh, inherent of the context too, of the very launching of. The movie.
0: When we meet Paula, you have to sort of very quickly sell us on decades of history, really, between her and Maurizio, without the benefit of flashbacks. So, how did you and Adam go about translating all of that history and just compressing that into just a few moments to make it as believable as it is on screen?
8: Well, (laughs) (laughs) acting. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I think acting. Yeah, yeah, that was the thing. But I remember that Ridley would even want the scene where we recognize each other on the ski slopes, he could almost, he said, there could almost be no no dialogues, just the look and the laughing and the joy and the surprise and just this range of emotion just with a look. So that's how he he felt it should be.
0: And Maurizio Gucci was known in real life for being a bit of a playboy, but he it kind of feels like Adam found this very sweet side to him as well. Like he's, he's obviously really cool, but there's this dorky side to him as well. So mm-hmm. that must be quite a nice vibe to sort of act falling in love with, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> so can you tell me a little bit more about um, kind of, when you first read the script and you were learning about these characters for the first time, and how you could see Ridley's vision just in the script, could you see it sort of being portrayed on the big screen?
8: It's funny because you, you you don't know what what you as a person. It's you know you feel as an actor you can do anything, but the, the 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 fact is as a person there's something that emanates from you, and you don't always know what emanates or what comes you know from you as a person. And I think this is what casting is about. And sometimes, you know, when you audition for a part and you're not uh, taken and you think, I don't understand. <laughs> I can do anything, but it's not true necessarily true. Did
0: you read the script already knowing who else had been cast? Yes. <laughs> so so at that moment you knew that you were going to be with Adam Driver, with Lady Gaga. Yeah. How did that impact the way that you were reading the script? But
8: to be honest, the script... When they described Paola, they said she's a tall, young, blonde girl. So I'm a small brunette. <laughs> and I was like, mm, OK, I'm going to do my best, but I'm not sure I'm the right person, you know. So then it was hard to believe that, you know, also because of how she was depicted. And, you know, and then I kept watching pictures of the real Paola Frankie and she, thinking do I look like her I'm not sure Uh, but in the end I think uh, when I saw the movie I'm like yeah okay I understand Uh, so that's you know Midley's magic.
0: We often see as you sort of touched upon like the the other woman which you can your character can sort of be seen as often we see those characters in like kind of reds and fiery and sort of sultry and actually you're character of paolo does come across as slightly maybe more innocent she's calmer she dresses in white compared to patrizia so is that something is that sort of inversion of of what we come to expect from the other woman something that attracted you to the part of paola she was said to be a gold digger but this is really
8: not how i felt about her so she was arriving at a moment when the marriage was already uh over in Maurizio's mind, and that makes a mature relationship. And also the fact that she she's a woman of her age, so she 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 has a child, she has divorced. So I think there's uh, um, an attitude towards love and relationship, and an understanding of what makes a relationship harmonious and deep and strong.
0: Thank you so much, Camille. That was absolutely delightful. Thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you. This film, this cast, Lady Gaga, Adam Driver, Camille Cotin, it is such a stacked cast and they're all so good.
1: Including an almost unrecognisable Jared Leto, who I spoke to about his transformative performance as the black sheep of the Gucci family, Paolo.
0: It really is transformative. When I first saw the trailer, I genuinely, genuinely didn't recognise him.
1: And it turns out that on set... Neither did Al Pacino. (laughs) Hi, Jared. Thank you for taking the time uh, to speak to us. It's lovely to meet you. Your character, Paolo Gucci, is one of the standouts in the film. He's also arguably one of the standouts from the Gucci family. When you first read the script and learned more about Paolo's story, what was it that drew you uh, to the character?
6: Well, when I read the script, I was actually sent it to look at a different part, but I, I just immediately responded to Paolo. I didn't even know what he looked like. Uh, and I certainly never heard anything about this story before. You know, I, I didn't know there was this kind of conflict and drama, this intrigue, and certainly didn't know anything about a murder. So it was all shocking and surprising, but this character just kind of flew off the page for me. And, and I think I imagined a lot more than than what was there. It was a beautifully written script, but I don't think Paolo was quite as fleshed out as he ended up being uh we, we, we pushed hard on the heart and the humor, but Roberto just, you know, had a, had a beautiful foundation for a character there. And, and we just built on on what was uh, what he had begun.
1: It's kind of interesting that because, you know, he is very likable and there's a certain level of empathy that you have for him, but there is also this slightly kind of ridiculous side to him. And I'm intrigued to know where that edge existed and how you kind of came to define it without falling off
6: you know a lot of it's instinctual but the, the heart and humor for me were one and the same i mean i i, I think a lot of times like you know audience may, may be laughing at paulo they may be laughing with him um you know he was a very passionate person he was a very volatile person uh, a person who had you know a, a really strong desire to create something special with his life and share his work with the world Do you think he was misunderstood in terms of his talent? I think that you know, it's easy for me to look at Paolo now and some of the choices and things that he did and say, wow, he took a lot of chances. He was quite brave. He wanted to push Gucci into the next century and to really expand upon the brand and take more creative risks. And I thought he was quite a maverick in his own way.
1: So you're very much into fashion. Uh, and more importantly, you work with Gucci a great deal. How did your relationship with the company in its current iteration inform your approach to this more historic role?
6: I mean, it was great. They were very supportive uh, of me taking on the role. They were excited about it. I I think a lot of what Paolo was pushing on is is certainly embraced by the the kind of new regime at Gucci, you know, they're, they're not afraid of a little
1: flair. I mean, speaking of which, I mean, that pink corduroy suit it's something that you kind of would see on one of the on a gucci runway now um did that it it, was that something you enjoyed wearing
6: oh absolutely um (laughs) it's a a one of a kind um it's uh it's
1: chic chic. um you have some wonderful scenes with lady gaga um probably the most iconic of which is obviously the father-son house of gucci um what was it like working opposite her
6: It was great. I mean, just a a fellow artist, you could tell that this is an important experience for her. And um, she was uh, prepared and focused and committed. And, um, you know, it's with, with someone like Paolo too, it's like, I try to imagine, you know, that, that character walks on set. That's a, that's a, you know, you're meeting a, a person for the first time. It's a, it's a, there's a life there, you know. She really just kind of met me head on, and we we we, we it was great to get in the ring with her. She's a, a fantastic artist. Um, I only wish I had more scenes with her because I think we had a lot of chemistry and we did some really special work together.
1: It sounds like an extraordinary set that you were on. You had this kind of amazing script that everyone wanted to work with. But then you obviously have Ridley Scott, who has this kind of um, very fast way of working. And then also there's this room for improvisation. How was it navigating those tensions?
6: For me, it was perfect. I love the way that Ridley works. And I, I love the efficiency. I love the speed. I'm also someone who's like hyper prepared. I know not only my lines, but everybody's lines in the scene and I, I like it that way. So for me, it works great. Um, some people like to do a little bit more rehearsal. I actually don't even rehearse. I like to shoot the rehearsals. Is that quite unique? I, you know, I've learned that I've come to learn that it is uh, and and it's for some people it's not just unique. It's horrifying. <laughs> because, you know, I understand it. you want to take a little time, you want to get to this scene, but I like things to be quite broken. I find there to be, it's dangerous, but exciting. And in those broken moments, you can find something
1: quite beautiful. One of the most intriguing relationships in the film is the father and son one between Paolo and Aldo, which stretches from total embarrassment to real moments of tenderness. How was it working with Al Pacino who plays Aldo? And how did you establish that toxic but simultaneously kind relationship?
6: yeah i mean it was started the very first time i showed up on set and he didn't recognize me he didn't know who i was i said hello to him and he kind of brushed me off and uh, i said oh he must maybe he's busy uh and i went up to him again and i think he almost punched me in the face or something but uh he thought it was just a creep uh trying to you know get his autograph or something i don't know but um he was like who's this italian guy is coming and bothering me but someone told him hey uh, Ow, oh, that's Jared. And he just lost his mind. He was like, My son, my son, you're a genius, he said. And that was beautiful because it gave me the confidence that I needed. It was a beautiful gesture for him. just the fact that he didn't see me was gave me the faith that, oh, what we we were marching down the right path. I mean,
1: there's no better accolade, surely, than... No, it's it's
6: the best. And and this film is special for me, too, because I'm making people laugh and smile.
1: You know, usually I make them cry. (laughs) (laughs) And going back to kind of the look of it, throughout the film, you do wear... I mean, they they are quite extraordinary. And a little bit like Adam Driver's character... You can see the span of his character through the outfits that he wears from these kind of slightly geeky up to the very sharp suits. With Paolo, it's kind of the opposite. He's wearing these quite flamboyant suits and then ends up in his you know, 90s nylon shell suits. Uh, what were your favorite looks to wear and why?
6: I think probably the um, lilac corduroy, the purple corduroy. Something about that just felt right, yeah. But everything felt great, to be honest, even when he was in a sweatsuit. It felt like Paolo. You know, we worked quite hard on on the costumes, and Janti is, you know, a master. Uh, she's just incredible. My my only request was really just for people to take off the gloves and to push the envelope and and to go a bit nuts with everything. You know, let let let's just try to dance towards that edge mm. without falling off of it in every aspect, hair, makeup, wardrobe, performance, you know, the way the the behavior, the way a scene was blocked, I really wanted to push things as far as I could to the edge without falling off of it.
0: I feel like all of these actors we've spoken to have really transported us to a Ridley Scott set, just the way that they've spoken about his processes, his work, and of course, we're going to be speaking to the man himself in just a bit.
1: But first, Here's an interview that I, as someone immersed in the world of fashion, was personally very excited about. Janti Yates, the costume designer for House of Gucci.
0: There is so much that I love about this conversation, but I think the best bit is the fact that she manages to get away with calling Lady Gaga just LG. Do you not think we could get away with that?
1: We just spoke to LG.
0: Yeah, I loved speaking to LG. No, I don't think we can pull it off.
1: (laughs) Well, Janti most certainly does. And here she is to prove it. So it's a real honour to meet you. I think what you did with this film is extraordinary. I just think the way you create a character and built arcs through, through the clothes and obviously just made the whole thing look so fantastic. It was a real testament to your talent. The project feels and looks like, from an outside perspective, a bit of a costume designer's dream. Was it? Or was it more challenging than it looked?
9: It was hellishly challenging <laughs> and terrifying. And every project... I do is terrifying to start with. But this had the added, the LG element, the Al Pacino element, the fact that, um, you know, there were a huge amount of top heavy, the Adam Driver element, you know, and not to mention the Ridley Scott element. You know, they're all very, very demanding, high standard people. So you get over that and you start your research And there's a huge amount of research to be done on these periods because it was from 1975 to 1995. And consequently, the costumes changed so radically about eight times. So I heard that Lady
1: Gaga didn't wear the same item of clothing or the same piece of jewellery more than once. Was that her choice or was that all Patrizia?
9: Oh my God, no, that was completely, completely Patrizia. Oh, that, was I see. Her, uh, okay. Patricia. that was not her being a diva. <laughs> no way. No, but she she was right to do that. Mm. You know, Patricia just was literally lit up like a Christmas tree. The amount of jewels she wore on a daily basis. She'd always have a brooch or a pin, as they call them in America. She'd always have two or three bangles, two or three necklaces, you know. And so we just followed suit. And it was marvellous very cleansing to put that away and that outfit as well that was that was lg being patrizia
1: i see okay i think one of my favorite things about the film actually as a whole is adam driver's character maurizio's journey his sartorial journey because at the beginning you know he's he's got these feral jumpers he's wearing trench coats everything's a little bit lumpen and and he gradually turns into this kind of amazingly smooth sleek Italian magnate. Can you talk a little bit about the process of creating that journey?
9: Well, I'm so happy you noticed his arc.
1: (laughs) I certainly did. After
9: five million interviews, you're the first person to mention
1: it. (laughs) I'm very glad.
9: (laughs) So I'm delighted you made this person very happy.
1: Oh, I'm glad to hear it.
9: It was slightly exaggerated because, Mm -hmm. for example, for the um, photo shoot, I put him in um, a velvet suit Um, And he was, Adam was kind of not against it. He was, you know, he was fine. But he said, do you think I'd really wear a velvet suit? I said, yes, I think you would.
1: I I can imagine for you, you have this vision that you want to create and you want to put these characters into the looks that you want them to be in. And you have an idea of what it should be. Do you enjoy that negotiation process? Because I imagine everyone on that set had an opinion about the way things should look. Or do you find it frustrating?
9: I have to have an opinion because Mm. I'm the costume designer. So, you know, I get my initial brief from Ridley and then I go out and I just select. And the person who I was most concerned about was LG and she is so participatory. And Mm. I've said this a couple of times before, but basically Ridley had said he didn't want her Joan Collins dark. He didn't want her with you know flowers and big shoulders and all of that. He wanted her more discreet. and so I was kind of nervous when I had my first zoom with um, LG. She turned to me and she said, "I just want to be like my mother." and her mother's pure Italian, and that was wonderful for me that was that made all the difference. Thank goodness she didn't want to go extreme gaga. <laughs>
1: Janty, you've worked with Ridley Scott for a while now, going all the way back to Gladiator, which is extraordinary. Is there a different way of working with him now than there was back then?
9: No, he's incredibly involved in costume. He's always been involved in costume. He has the most wonderful suggestions. He's an artist. So, I mean, if you were to look around my office, the storyboards of this new film that we're prepping are cover the walls. And he would say, well, let's do it this way. And he'll draw something and we'll take it away and just create it. He's so innovative. He's so inspirational. He's wonderful. And he was as involved in Gucci as he was in Gladiator.
1: We're almost at the end, Janti, very sadly. And I would love to know, what is your favourite outfit from the film?
9: My absolute favourite is the bridal outfit because... It was not accurate. We made both, and we literally didn't decide till the morning of because LG was still quite keen on keeping it accurate. Dominic had been making this for six weeks, eight weeks longer even, and all the lace was hand sewn. The appliqué was beautifully done. Everything hand sewn on it, and I loved the fact that it showed her her calves so beautifully. So it's.
1: A bit of a cliche, but it was really my favourite. That's a fantastic answer. decided the, the, on the day. The end of a couture show. <laughs> it makes sense. Janti, thank you so much for taking the time. It's been wonderful to speak to you and congratulations again.
0: My pleasure. It was a delight to speak to you. Oh, thank you thank so you. much. I think I agree with her. The wedding dress is my favourite look from the film as well. Teo, what's your favourite look?
1: Oh, it's tricky. I don't know if it's just because Adam Driver wears it at the beginning and at the end of the film, but that separate suit look that he wears as he cycles through the streets of Milan, it's those wonderful Milanese shades of grey, just super chic, and the watch tops it off. His hair looks excellent in that look too. <laughs>
0: Not that you've given it any thought or anything. No, nothing. (laughs) nothing. Now it is time for the man who pulled this whole immaculate outfit together the legendary director of House of Gucci and so many other classics, Sir Ridley Scott. How does it feel now, finally watching the film that it's being shown to audiences? How do you feel about the way it's all come together with a bit more perspective?
5: Really, um, um, immediately, I'm thrilled. The bits. It's always nice if it seems to be, you know, entertaining, and it, that's the bottom line. What we do is we try to entertain people. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. And I think the base, on the base of that, it's good. Also, if the story is defined as whatever it's going to be. Is it a serious story? Is it a drama? Is it a comedy? But, yeah, I mean, so far it seems to be being embraced pretty well.
0: I know that something everyone is dying to hear about is working with Lady Gaga. So can we get the start-to-finish thought process on building this film around her, casting through to prep to working with her on set and beyond?
5: Yeah, you know, I think... Uh, Patricia Gucci was a bit of a free spirit. She was definitely a girl about town. Mm -hmm. She liked the boys, and she had, I think, probably quite a few boyfriends. But I think she was definitely probably looking for that special guy, Mm. the husband. Because don't forget, she comes from a Catholic Italian family. And, And where the mother is, it's a matriarchal society, Italy, isn't it? Not a patriarch. It's very much matriarchal. Yeah, she's such a star in her own right. And to be that good and that much of a powerhouse, she runs the, sh- the show, there's no question about that. When I'm doing a project like such as this, it's good if you can start physically with a person who is a good kind of representation of who Patricia Gucci was. She was, she was petite, and Gaga is physically like an athlete, but petite. Yeah. And uh, five foot two, five foot one, and when I was reading, I had the script, and I was thinking, you oh, there's a lot of actors out there, but they're too tall. And I think too tall actually gets in the way. I like this idea of the long and the short of it. And Adam Driver is six foot four, and she is five foot two. So it's a perfect physical match. So when I saw, it's a great relief when I saw A Star Is Born, that I thought, oh my God, there it is. I wonder if she liked this material. That's where it began.
0: Oh, fascinating. So So can you, you know, can you tell us about working with Lady Gaga on those very different iterations of Patrizia? You know, we see her as the working class girl, being wolf-whistled at by blue-collar workers, and then being the wife of one of the world's wealthiest men to finally the black widow in the courtroom.
5: Well, I wanted to bring uh, the opening shot. I chose uh, next to a freeway because I love Fellini and Antonioni. And they always were near the, the new buildings that were done after the post-war blitz and bombing and ruins. And so I, I wanted to have father's offices to be, in fact, four trailers, right? And the father was in transportation. But if he's in transportation with a lot of trucks, one has to ask the question very loosely. I wouldn't press it. Mm-hmm. But was he connected? You know what I mean by that? Mm-hmm. So... He may have been, because anybody in transportation in those days probably was more or less affected. Really? By being oh yeah, are you kidding? So my feeling is uh, she was not really working class. She was in a decent, there a bit of money being made and her mother always designed her daughter on mothers as mothers do. And I think her mother had been a bit of a bombshell as well. That's why she captured this husband who was a transport he was a transport baron but he, you know he had 30 or 40 trucks so he's doing all right so she's not quite working class but is she a different layer a level of class yes for sure mm. dad was probably definitely working class cuz probably he had been a truck driver and mother had captured dad when he had a bit of money right so i think she was brought up between that in between because of that because she was very attractive she was asked out often and was because she was a bit of a showstopper she was invited to many parties and that's how she evolved and I, at one of those parties she accidentally came across this guy Mauricio she had no idea he was a Gucci except he treated her with respect mm. That made her interested in this man who was so genteel and so nice.
0: And the relationship and the chemistry between Patrizia and Maurizio is is really important, but there is a foreshadowing of it going wrong, I think, with that misty boat ride, with the fog closing in. It's like he's being lured into the underworld or something. Where did that idea come from? It's visually stunning.
5: Well, it's usually me, because I do that kind of... <laughs> that's what I add to it. I don't just do the written word, dude. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of crap goes in there that I do. So, but I don't talk about it. No, that's, that's foretelling, it wasn't designed that way. That I- whole idea was showing Maurizio being so shy
0: mm.
5: and clumsy that the discussion was kind of like Cary Grant. So Cary Grant might fall off a backwards the seat in the rowing boat as they're pushing out. And he knows his father's chauffeur is following them around to report on him. And I like the chauffeur being Sympathetic. I think he's glad to see the lad, who I think was a virgin.
0: That's the impression you get, yeah.
5: Oh yeah, and so, and she clearly said, I'm going to fix this. And so that mist <laughs> on Como happens every morning. It's one of the reasons why we were there. So the only way you're going to get privacy is to roll into the mist. So it wasn't sinister at all, but it's a good point. Good idea. <laughs>
0: Um, the film. The screenplays. Oh, yeah, um, that's that's my next on the list. The film blends glamour with that sort of true crime thriller. So it's often about very old school kind of elegance brushing up against like a really seedy world. How do you go about balancing those elements along with the brilliant and often surprising humour?
5: Well, I saw it early on as being humorous. And I always he- hesitate to use a word that might suggest it's intellectual because I don't want to scare off the audience. <laughs> Uh, and so there's, without question, when you look at what happened, it was a satire. Mm. It's, it's actually satirical. Satirical is a kind of sophisticated word for a comedy, really, or what I call a dramedy. Um, I, I think that, that's the way I saw it. And it's funny, I, the same thing happened to me on Thelma and Louise. I was reading it, I think, this is funny. They said, well, they died. They said, you're so f- literal. I said, they yeah. die at the end. They don't really die. They freeze because yeah. they're going to carry on the journey. Didn't you get it froze for a reason? So, and I didn't want to destroy the, the memories and the pleasant memories of these two girls by seeing them plunge and crash and mm-hmm. burn. So in this one, same thing. I don't want to see crash and burn, except we do see crash and burn mm-hmm. here because it cannot be avoided. She pursued him. I'm trying to get the time right. I may be a little off here, but from the moment he left and, and, and then, I'm not sure he remarried, but, but he left and lived with his Paula.
2: Mm.
5: It was almost six years, six years before she got so angry and it ballooned into murder.
0: You've talked about directors needing to have a real eye for detail, which is important on any film. Do you think it's even more important with a film like House of Gucci with so much glamour and visual appeal?
5: I I try to be a a detailed maniac about everything. I tend to be a stylist. So I began with style and and then after two or three films realised that the importance of a really good script. So I then started getting involved in very, a lot of writers. The first real serious encounter with me with a writer would be on Blade Runner. Well, I sat with that writer for five months and we evolved daily. We evolved that whole thing from what was an internal play in an apartment. I said, the basis here is I want to see what happens when he goes outside. What's the world like? So we went outside, went whoom, and it, it evolved. That is where I tend to go because it kind of doesn't dictate, but it actually perfumes everything, it affects everything after that, right?
0: That makes complete sense. There's that brilliant scene where Lady Gaga does the kind of father-son house of Gucci, which as soon as that trailer hit, everyone was quoting it and everyone went mad for that particular bit. Did you realise when you read the script that, oh, this is going to be a... This is going to be brilliant on the screen.
5: Well, you you get to, when you get a good script, you kind of get to get a sense that you've got something. I knew, for instance, on Alien, I had something special early on. Mm-hmm. As soon as I got Giga, I knew I had something definitely, definitely special. Without that monster, you wouldn't have had the same movie. Mm-hmm. And so, the same with with Gucci. When I read the script, the dynamics in the story. Dynamics is what you're looking for. That's cause and effect. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that cause and effect, films meander and slither around and they, they get boring. And that, so the cause and effect of the story, the dynamics were fantastic. When I d- developed something, I make my real read, the one big read where I'm gonna decide where I'm gonna do it, not exclusive. I'll sit down and woop out anybody who calls me up or in- interrupts, I have to sit and read it in one go. And off that, I usually write a date on the cover and say, January the 21st, this was terrific. Don't change it. And I go make the movie.
0: Ridley, thank you so much. That's all we've got time for. What a thrill to speak to you. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. What a lovely conversation to end on, speaking to the iconic Ridley Scott. And it's been so exciting talking to all of the spectacular talents that have helped build the House of Gucci.
1: Now. If you haven't already, make sure you book your tickets for House of Gucci.
0: It's out from the 24th of November and it is absolutely not to be missed. It's this season's must-have ticket.
1: It most certainly is. Thank you so much for joining us for the House of Gucci interview special.
0: Bye. Bye. of gucci interview special is a little dot studios production for universal
1: the show was hosted by rihanna Dillon and me theo van den Broeke.
0: it was produced by ellie aiken and jake cunningham with editing from james payne
1: and the executive producers were Catherine bray and harold McShiel.